signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Welcome to the Fanboy Planet podcast, and producing this from his undisclosed location we call the Brett Cave. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And uh, together, we're going to talk about Wakanda forever. But before we do in this episode, I want to, of course, mention that you can join the conversation a little bit after the fact, I admit it, uh, by writing in to editor at FanboyPlanet.com. If you have questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism... Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com because I do communicate the old-fashioned way. Email. That's just the way that my grandparents did it. And, uh, and of course, you can also follow us on Facebook, the Facebook page, uh, where often, as as we discovered this week when there was a little bit of a service outage, we can alert people on Facebook. And uh, you can follow us there and, and make comments that way. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as fanboy planet so there we go easy for me to remember easy for rick to remember easy for you to remember so there we go and of course if we do talk about something as you know we since we're going to talk about wakanda forever we might reference a few uh comic book uh sources or parallels perhaps uh and if there's something there that uh, you'd like to purchase for yourself uh each and every page of fanboy planet does have have uh, uh search boxes for amazon we are an amazon affiliate which means that purchases made through that and perhaps direct links that we occasionally place on pages will uh, could possibly generate revenue for Fanboy Planet, and so we we appreciate that. Uh, so you know, before I, I do want to uh, acknowledge there's uh, there's been some political turmoil in the last couple of weeks, and it's not about Wakanda. Uh, so I'm just going to weigh in here, uh, and Rick, you can too if you wish. But uh, given a choice, I'm just going to say, given a choice. I would still be a vampire over a werewolf. Hmm. I'm just saying. And if and if you don't know uh, what what that's referring to, that's okay. We'll move on because that's <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, and Rick does the great thing. I, I should just explain. Of he, I think you only read news once a day. I so, only read it at one thirty in the afternoon, and then okay. I watch it in the evening. But, okay, yeah. well, you know, so that's good that you know you you can go on these little fasts. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, go I there. promised myself that I wasn't going to be once I retired. I decided I wasn't going to be one of those guys who had the TV on in the background all the time. Oh yeah, that can kill you. Those that, are just absolutely. disturbed people. Yeah. Yep. So yep. And yeah. if you are that person, we apologize. But no yeah. day drinking, no day drinking, and very little TV. No TV at all. I just read the news on online. So. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I would agree with you. I think that's the, the best way to consume it. Or, of course, through a podcast, and that kind of news would only be, of course, geek news, and that's what we're talking about here. Yes. Uh, we do have to acknowledge, on a serious note, um, something that sort of kind of, <laughs> kind of ruined my weekend last weekend, which was the unexpected 
but I guess oh, not yeah. to people who knew him uh, very well. And I should say, I I, I knew him in passing. Uh, the unexpected unexpect, uh, death of Kevin Conroy, 66 years old, the voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series and many, many, many other projects, uh, really a generation's Batman, uh, because on live action, it's there's nobody that's had that, <laughs> that long a run or that big an impact and still able to, uh, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's 30 years of... of he's, uh, he, he's unfettered by Hollywood aging out, you know? Absolutely. And he did get to play it live, yes. live action once in, in the uh, CW's right. Crisis on Infinite Earths. He was an evil Bruce Wayne in the uh, exoskeleton. And uh, great that he got that one live action appearance. But he's been in video games. I'd forgotten he was, you know, he was doing it in so many different kinds of batman too that he was in justice league action that really kitty oriented one he came and did batman for that um but more importantly to me the loss was of someone who was absolutely absolutely a kind man and i we don't have enough if you think we have many we do but we don't have enough we need more and the loss of one is is terrible and he uh was always gracious enough to pretend that he remembered me when we sat down to interviews. I, I think I probably <laughs> interviewed him five or six times. Uh, and they were great conversations, uh, often in roundtables. I think once I got a one-on-one with him. But uh, just just a, a great, great man. And DC did what I hoped they would do, which was just recently he had written his first comic book script. And it was for the DC Pride special in 2022. And it was... Uh, essentially, I mean, I don't know. I think to some people it was a surprise. It, it wasn't necessarily to me, but it certainly wasn't either germane to my appreciation of him, was uh, he came out. Uh, he'd been married, I don't know how, how long, uh, to his husband. But uh, in this story he wrote for DC, he explained how the, the years of growing up and experiencing uh, homophobia had actually really helped him in the audition for Batman. And famously, uh, he, the only thing he knew about Batman before he auditioned was, was he had seen the Adam West series. He'd never read the comics. He didn't know. He approached Batman like Hamlet. And I've seen many people's interviews since. He never minimized the importance of this character in, the, in our culture. Uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all as as like I think he he, he compared it at one point to Aeschylus, uh, as you know these are our gods, these are our myths, and and these are what talk about what we're grappling with morally. And uh, I don't know, it just was really hard. And uh, as we're going to talk about Wakanda Forever, I have seen it twice now, and the uh, second time. Uh, it was just a couple nights ago because uh, my wife had been out of the country on business and came back. And so we watched it uh, at the AMC Burbank. And there is a statue of Batman. I don't know. When you were down here, I, I forgot to tell you. you should go I see didn't it. go. Yeah. Yeah, you should see the ba- the statue of Batman. I mean, you know. It's a well, now that I know I can successfully drive down there by myself. I, I... <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so there were still on Tuesday night uh, flowers, flowers. Uh, 
somebody had left a candy bar for him at at the feet at the base of the statue uh and uh and i thought wait no but then i realized of course the statue is based on jim lee's batman uh-huh. but i think that was the basis for arkham asylum which he had also voiced uh the batman in that game series so you know it was it, it just it, it it hit home again how important he was to so many people and I, i've got to go back and listen to some of the interviews and maybe call some of the best quotes and and and, and put them in print yeah, uh, on the site because you know he, he said some cool things and uh, about his sense of responsibility towards that character and yeah just uh, he'll be missed and it was a shocker and uh many of the people i know who know him bet knew him better uh we shared a couple of texts and we're pretty, pretty knocked out. So anyway, uh, so let's, <laughs> it's kind of appropriate that we're talking about Wakanda forever because after the passing of Kevin Conroy, you also got to acknowledge that Wakanda forever, uh, is haunted by the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And that's putting it mildly. And, and by the way, that is not in any way to detract from the film. I think it's very important. I've uh, at Baycon uh, had a conversation. Was on a panel with um, the sci-fi master Stephen Barnes, who uh, was upset that they had not recast the character and mm-hmm. that T'Challa was was going to die in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. And I didn't know that for sure. I think we didn't know anything at that time at Baycon positively. But I said, I'm you know I, I'm I'm guessing that's what they're what they've done, and I think Ryan Coogler had made and and Kevin Feige had both made comments to that effect, uh, and I think uh, uh, Mr. Barnes had had very good reasons why, and I I don't want to mischaracterize or or accidentally misinterpret what he was saying, uh, and I and I get it, and he he wasn't the only one saying that, yeah. Um, and it was a larger cultural issue too that I I just really hadn't thought about, and a good point. Uh, but I also follow him on Facebook, and he had not recanted, but he said on its own he appreciated what they had done once he had seen it. Um, you know, so it, I I don't know. I mean, my first reaction to that is I it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, and I, I also yeah. but I think that you know in truth. Uh, Ryan Coogler, the writer, director, co-writer. I, I don't want to minimize that he, he did have another screenwriter involved. Uh, you can't work on a film so, for so long and work with a character and an actor for so long. Uh, I would hope without becoming good friends. And this is not only a film about grief; it is a writer, director, and a producer. If you let's count Kevin Feige. Uh, grappling with grief and having to process through. And you and I both know, uh, having say recently, let's get within the last five years, lost people near and dear to us and how still you get hit. Something's you see something, you do something and you go, Oh yeah, that would have, you know, so-and-so would have loved that, you know, not to get personal between the two of us, but you know, it's, I couldn't imagine Ryan Coogler having to direct someone else I, as, I think, as T'Challa. I, I think uh, Boseman was so important to the community in that role before he died. 
you know absolutely just, that film was just like earth shaking as far as what it did for uh prestige and the the acceptance of yes this is a superhero this is a superhero that you can find who is like you and to to recast that that character yeah um would have diminished the role i i I sincerely believe it would diminish the role and what they did in this film was to share the mourning no absolutely and i would say it when people have asked me i said this is a film about grief interrupted by long stretches of a superhero movie and it had to be both i completely understand they did what i thought they were going to do at the beginning so you know i'll try to be as even at this point, as spoiler-free as possible, but there are some things you just can't, which is he dies off screen. Of course he does. Yeah. Uh, at the very beginning of the film. Thank God he did. Yeah. Right. And it was sort of like, uh, I very much in the first two, three minutes uh, felt like how I, I felt, and I think you and I both called this, uh, when we were much younger reading the first Marvel graphic novel, The Death of Captain Marvel. That sense of helplessness, that sense of, this is the most advanced civilization on Earth in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And whatever it is that killed T'Challa, uh, even they couldn't find a cure. Right. And Can we step so, back for a second? Well, you, sure. You I talked mean, we're, about we're the first three the first, minutes. The first three minutes. The opening was... That's what I'm talking about. Oh, the, the graphics and such? Oh, well, because that's after... That's the amazing thing, right? Right, right? You know, you don't get that until after you've already established that that T'Challa has died. Right. And then, yes, absolutely dead silent as the Marvel Studios logo, which were used to being the flapping of pages and and panels. And well, now yeah. for a, a few years now, it's been uh, stills from live action scenes. And from other movies and from other movies, movies to establish this is the Marvel Universe when instead in this it is all just a tribute, a silent tribute to Chadwick Boseman, all images of him. And uh, and it's bookended because it's the same way, you know, near the end. I, that's not a spoiler right. either. Right. It's just because that's what, the, like I said, this is a film about coming to grips with his loss and. I've never seen a film. Well, I don't know that a film's ever had this kind of situation to deal with. You know, we sort of had, I guess, between uh, the Last Jedi yeah. and and uh, the rise of Skywalker, um, losing Carrie you know, Fisher, the loss of Carrie Fisher. But it was still, well, you know, she wasn't the main character. They, I think, they gave her uh, did as well as they could by her. But we've never had a franchise have this massive a thing happen to it, right. and so I I do think they handled it as, as as well as they possibly could, and it's an entertaining film. Uh, you know, I'm also going to say something uh, when I say it's it's a loss to a franchise, and and you brought up you know the impact of this film. Spike Lee was interviewed at uh, Tribeca. I think it was Tribeca, I think by Alec Baldwin, and he said uh, that uh, that that film to him, film history to him now is divided between before Black Panther uh-huh. and after Black Panther, and that's a stunning comment. And and by the way, if anybody's listening and knows 
it, like if I accidentally paraphrase that or, or, or got it wrong in any way, by all means, correct me. Uh, but that is my memory. And I thought that's a pretty powerful statement coming from Spike Lee. Um, but, you know, the thing I'd say is the thing that slowed this film down for me was the connections to the larger Marvel universe. Yes. You could have cut uh, Martin Freeman Martin entirely Freeman out, out entirely. I realized why they needed to because they're why they thought they needed to. Yeah. Because they're setting up Thunderbolts. Right. And both times I've seen it now, I've thought, nope. You know, the first time I walked out with that impression, like you could have cut that. And the second it, it time was, I'm like, it was such, it was so much you could have cut that. I'm going, wait a minute. Did they wrap up whatever happened with Martin Freeman? I go, wait a minute. Nothing nope. happened with Martin, Martin Freeman. No, nothing happened to, with Everett Ross. Uh, you know, it, it didn't move anything forward except establish that uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is is a is evil it but but thinks she's good i'm like uh, i've seen two or three other films that have already established that you know yeah. i didn't need that and it, and in fact you know that's what i i got this uh email today from uh the publicist for uh, fandom.com that did a survey and they said that marvel universe cinematic universe fans are feeling a little lost in the franchise and blah 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 and dc fans only go to like if they like the characters specifically i'm like and as we've said before welcome to the marvel universe and comics too you just you know you you don't have to see it all right but i thought what you was, can't buy it all you can yeah, but you can't you, read you, it all oh no i i know that i just went through four four months of <laughs> comics and, and divided up the stacks and ordered and you know wrote down like oh what issues have i missed so i could go to earth two but in this case, I think this movie would have been served if they had just as well and perhaps better because it would have been a shorter running time, uh, you know, that without tying into the larger cinematic universe yes. and let the next movie carry that weight. Yeah. Let this be about how Wakanda is dealing with it. And I don't care about the others, although I do get it. You no, know, absolutely. You needed to. I didn't feel that the part with Riri Williams was shoehorned in. I thought that made as a plot that made perfect yes. sense. And then let somebody else pick up how Riri Williams ties into the rest of the Marvel universe, you know, and, and because we're left with the, uh, Mesoamerican Atlantis. I, right. I'm, I'm blanking on its name. Uh, uh you know, and I, I, bleh, I love, all, everything about that is a rethinking of the concept, and I know that there there are, are two things. It's both like, yes, it is inclusion, uh, but there's also, this is a lot more trademarkable. Uh, you know, I can't take the business decision away. You know, DC has an Atlantis. We already know that. Right. So let's have something else. And I, I love that, but but nobody knows about it. That is completely, you know, insular between Wakanda and and Kekokan, uh, 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 Kekukan. What, uh, yes, okay, and that city, and you know, and that nation. So you could have let this be in, stand on its own, and I I miss those days because you know we forget we're looking back now. What fourteen, fifteen years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and those first films, it was just one little tie-in right iron man has nick fury walk in at the end right and you go everybody went ee! uh in incredible hulk 
there's a, or actually in Iron Man, there's a shot of, of Captain America's shield. So they're really Easter eggs. You know, if you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. And instead, these are breadcrumbs. And they're not breadcrumbs. They're huge baguettes uh, leading to the next thing. And, you know, so I, I didn't, I felt like it, it, it just wasn't needed. But I did appreciate everything with Ironheart. And even then, I mean, you could acknowledge, yeah, she's built a Mark I armor. And and beyond once she's in Wakanda, right? But you know, if you know it's Iron Man, you know it's Iron Man. Otherwise, you think, "Wow, this girl's really damn good." You I know? have to, I have to, I have to step back for a second. It's Keukon. It's U K in the middle, not K U. Keukon. Okay. Keukon. Keukon. Yeah. There's there was things. Yeah. Pardon me for not being able to speak Mesoamerican yeah. dialect, which is also hilarious. That of course the Wakandans immediately know it and recognize it as what it is. <laughs> for you know they've been gone from the surface for five hundred years, but they know what this language is. Yeah. But you know those are the things you forgive in comics, and so I forgive in these movies. I think it's uh, it's a great rethinking. It's an interesting uh, rethinking of Namor or of the Namor, or the uh, of Namor. Re- right. But although again. And my wife walked out and said, I'm bothered that he calls himself Namor and everybody else goes Namor because that's what people think the name is, you know, in comics, uh, right. you know, and, and, and the cartoon. I said, yes, back in 66, that was, you know, he was Namor of Atlantis. So there's no why they would change that pronunciation to be the, the one that people naturally do when they made such a really good point of it's Namor. Good reason for the name. I, I I love that. It's almost like, you know, that's an identity that he took upon himself. And and they never did say what his name was before that. And, but then also, you know, a strength of there is a Namora. What is, what is Namora's actual relationship? That bothered the heck out of me. That whole Namora thing. They, they don't give her any, any lines of significance. We have no discussion of why her name is so close to his and of course, in the in the comics, she has the same mutant uh, aspect yeah. to it. and she's too. his sister, right? Yeah. In the, well, in the comics, yeah, yeah, in the she's comics, definitely his sister. Uh, I think a daughter, or perhaps though, again, never put out there. Uh, you know, again, like a lot of things, there's a rumor there's a four hour version, and there are things that I've heard rumored about the four hour that I'm glad are cut, uh, because one is that it would have had an explanation for T'Challa's death oh. that that laid the blame at Namor. And I don't like that at all. So okay, let's let's talk. Can we talk about that for a second without yeah. getting into spoilers? Yeah. the The whole gimmick of this movie is broken, is bad, and I, I don't know. I I don't think this qualifies as spoiler, but we know Namor is upset about something. That's why he attacks the surface land, and yes. what he wants would not solve the problem that he's he's upset about. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't require someone else to go and find this person. Um these are these are these are the the his people like ruin entire cities just to make a point with their with their compressed water bombs and such. Uh impressive I, weapon though, I got to say. Yeah, it was I, I, it took me a little while to figure out what was going on with that. And then when I did, I went, "Wow, that's really—it's kind of interesting." They, 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 the, the sense of where they were when they were under the water 
totally for me blew away DC's presentation of Atlantis. I and agree it, with it, that. Yeah. In Atlantis, I felt like I was like maybe 200 feet under the surface of the water. When I was in Namor's town, um, I felt cold. I felt the pressure of the water above me. It was dark. Uh, yeah, th- that, that, that had so, and, and the way things moved under the water. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because I thought it was weird that the last line was, forget it, Jake, it's Namor Town. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we got to call no, it something. I, I think that's good. Is I, I, I think that uh, I also think we need to, uh, we're at this point now with how messy the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. It, I mean, part of what you're, what bothers you is because I think there are pieces from a script that was in development when Chadwick Boseman was still alive. And, Probably. and, and what we don't know for sure in terms of a timeline is that he, very few people knew that he was sick and, uh, you know, and certainly publicly no right, one knew right. it was just this automatic surprise, you know, once he passed and I don't know, you know, how much was developed by Ryan Coogler beforehand and how much they were trying to keep. It was always planned that Namor, uh, or Namor, was going to be uh, the antagonist. Yeah. And so I'm sure a lot of that is sort of left over in a weird way. And I but, think, you but, know, it, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think it's time now with the messiness of having to, uh, to do all, to make these changes is it's time to develop something from the comics as well, which is the no prize because oh. <laughs> Ramonda says, you know, we have never let Vibranium out, and yet Captain America's shield yeah. was established in First Avenger as being made from Vibranium. And they, uh, I think there's even a map where they show Wakanda, and everybody went <gasps> when that yeah. happened in the in the movie. And so, no. So somebody got somebody got an in and out without anyone finding out. And right. That, that's 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 easily explained. But since you mentioned it, can we talk about Angela Bassett? Man. Besides what, being great, what an amazing performance! And that and, and that is that is an ex, that is a a great uh, use of the fact that your main character has died. It gives all the other characters a chance to step up. Winston Duke was man, fantastic. I didn't care for him that much in the first film. He was my near, my film, favorite character. But I loved this. him here, and I oh, yeah. I loved them all. But and I, I but Angela Bassett like she she played um, forgotten her name Rosa Parks right so she's got Rosa Parks and Ramonda as as on her belt as I mean so many great characters but just just uh, I I could whenever she was on the screen and um and whenever sim- she was on the screen it was just like that's the, a, that's all they're watching the simmering rage of her grief yeah and that explosion that she gives you know uh, is. It, you know, it, it is a terrific performance, and uh, you know. And then I caught the second time around that there is a reference she makes very early on to ultimately what is the the mid credit scene. That if you didn't know it was coming, yeah, it was just an odd line because it's never revisited by her again. Yeah, that's uh, we talked about that after our but, viewing. But it, it, yeah. it fit, it, you know, and it, yeah. it makes sense. She never got a chance because suddenly, whoops, you're under attack. Uh, and, and your nation may be at war. Um, but the other thing is that we have had other references to, 
you know, there were there were breadcrumbs to Namor in earlier films, uh, a- including that you know there have been I think there were two about something happening in the Atlantic, and yes, and there's one in Endgame, and this is clearly way after Endgame, you know, and I hope somebody with more time uh, and focus than I have right now would uh, you know try to piece together that timeline because we kind of forget that although we're slowly catching up. All these Marvel movies are taking place in a near future because of the snap. Yeah. The, the snap happened concurrently with our years. time and then five years forward. Right. And then like Hawkeye is two or three years after that. So we're almost caught up, you know, as we get to 2023. But I think that makes it, you know, this puts it even further. So it's like this is happening in 2025 or 2026 and where they all fit with each other. It, it's fun. You know, but if you just want to enjoy this uh, there and I, I'd say again with the messiness is, well, let's explain. Uh, I'd love to see them offer a no prize to who can explain the vibranium and who can explain the references to Atlantis in earlier films. Um, but overall, uh, and I'm I'm kind of, uh, you know, speeding up because I, I know that, uh, that that you have an appointment this evening as well. Uh, so, um you know, I watched it twice, and I I am grateful. Ultimately, my take when I talked about it being a film about grieving is this is tackling something that American culture is not good with, and mm-hmm. uh, which is dealing with death and the finality of it. Even though in Wakandan lore, you know, the ancestors can visit, uh, but in truth, Chadwick Boseman can't. And... You know, they they might have a computerized voice later. You could have a ghostly Black Panther appear, perhaps. And I hope they don't. It's, as you said, the impact of who Chadwick Boseman was, the impact of this character uh, is irreplaceable in a way that uh, I'm going to say you and I can appreciate and respect. Um, but it... it it doesn't have that same impact to us. Uh, it makes me proud that our one of our favorite intellectual property, mega intellectual properties, is is growing up and and becoming. And you mean the Marvel universe? Yes. Yeah. And and it's it's it it is attending to the complaints that have existed for so long. Yeah, I mean, and I would still go to, you know, I I promised we'd reference comics a little bit. Is you know, you can start with Panther's Quest. I mean, of course, it's worth going back to Fantastic Four. Uh, There was something, you know, I was explaining to my wife, you know, that uh, that my problem with my only problem with with the portrayal of of Namor here, Namor, is that I, I didn't see him as the guy who could steal Sue Susan Richards away from Reed. But then we don't have a Fantastic Four yet in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. He seems too kind in a weird way. Like he's driven, um, he'll be harsh when he needs to be, but he's he's a good leader, you know, um, which of course he is. And I also don't understand why uh, a Mesoamerican uh, dialect would would translate as Imperious Rex other than that's his, uh, his catchphrase. But, uh, you know, you go to uh, the, his... Black Panther's original appearance in Fantastic Four and perhaps Namor's in Fantastic Four number four. But you go to Panther's Quest by Don McGregor and I think Billy Graham is the artist. 
uh, on that run. Uh, Marvel has a trade paperback out about that. And, and basically anything that has been done with Black Panther in the last 10 years, um, you know, currently John Ridley is writing some, but Shuri has stepped up there. There are World of Wakanda, which yeah. I think we're still going to get a World of Wakanda uh, TV series on Disney+. Plus. I would uh, highly recommend the Black Panther uh, epic collection, uh, which is the Revenge of the Black Panther, which is all Jack Kirby stuff when he came back in a second time, and it's 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 light it's a light and fun take on yeah the, you the know character. I'd say uh, if you uh, do that go 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 both I I, 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 I love that, that because I read that and it is fun but I'd say in the context of the film T'Challa yeah, yeah. it's Jack Kirby came back and and made it a Kirby story. You know, the King Solomon's Frogs, it's very fun. It's a yeah. wacky, wacky story. But almost any character could have, mm-hmm. Jack Kirby could have been any, you know, could have put any one of his creations in or created something new. The things that deal with who Black Panther is and where he is, because right. because Jack Kirby basically took him out of Wakanda for long stretches. And... I think even um, when uh, Christopher Priest's run, which re- the Marvel Knights run way back when, that introduced Everett um, to it to the to the cast, uh, that still and was groundbreaking in in establishing he's the king first. You know that even his time as an Avenger is it just him keeping an eye on what these superheroes are doing and what it might do to Wakanda? So, you know, that's, and again, a reason why it could have been on its own as a, as a film franchise, even with, with Namor, because that's about two Kings, not two heroes. It's, it's monarchs. It's, 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 it's almost geopolitical. Um, you know, so there's a lot of great stuff out there to read. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and don't get me wrong again. I did love that Jack Kirby run crazy stuff, fun, fun, fun. But, uh, you know, I think you you may want something a, a little more serious. Uh, and there's plenty of that as well. So, uh, I appreciate, uh, the time. The I think- John Romita run is really good too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. John Romita Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I do think uh, we should uh, perhaps wrap it up here. You and I both agree it's a worthy yep. entrant uh, entry. There are some flaws, as there are always flaws uh, w- with these things. I don't know that there's been a perfect Marvel Cinematic Universe film, but uh, I can say I watched it twice and liked it better the second time. And to me, that's a good that's a, a mark of a good film. I don't know that I could put it on as a comfort film. But, uh, but it's good. You know, if you just want, it's got, it's got heart. It's got heart. No, I mean, that's what I say. It's a, it's a film about grief and it's grappling with things and, and the superhero movie stuff, stuff is fun. And I, I like the concept. I wish they'd called her iron heart at some point. Yes. But, uh, cause you know, you got to go through those end credits and look like iron heart courtesy of, and it's like, What? You only get you you get two two clues. One is the chest emblem, which almost looks like a heart. Yeah. And the other one is the the when she's welding some yeah. iron that can't be possibly be part of that end suit. Yeah. Uh, but she but she welds out a the shape of a heart. Well, it's like I'm not positive that in any of her live appearances that Scarlett Johansson got called the Black Widow. No, I don't think so. You know, so it's yeah. like, come on, somebody put it in the script. Uh, uh yeah. 
Yeah, you know, so... She does, I will say, though, that uh, looking over it, Ironheart has the best toy out of this. There's so much stuff yeah. on that on that. Uh, yeah, it, that figure. It, it, it was very fun. I look forward to her appearance in her own Disney Plus series coming and how they tie that in. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think I, I think we're good. I, you know, if you want just kind of the, the, the mindless beat-em-up, I still enjoyed it, but that's Black Adam. You know, that's that's just yeah. thin excuses to get from superhero fight to superhero fight. There is a lot of meat to Wakanda forever. There's a lot to grapple oh, with. Yeah. And I mean that in, in absolutely the best way. So, you know, I, I am interested to see what happens next. So there we go. Uh, you know, so thank you. If you've got uh, your opinions or other things that you wish to... Uh, to ask us about questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com, as well, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, look forward to hearing from you. And as always, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen uh, to our conversation. So really appreciate that. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brettsider, reminding you to use your powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.